how am I competing with people offering lower rates? I've tried to remain aware of what sets me apart from somebody um, offering a, a lower rate that's from overseas or whatever, um, because there are some things that I think are more valuable. If you're if you're a client in the U.S., it's really easy to hop on a call with me and we can just chat. There's something about being able to talk to someone like they're your neighbor and be able to brainstorm together. Hello, and welcome to episode three of My Freelance Life. It's a brand new podcast from the team here at Milo.co. I'm Preston, and with me on the air today is my friend, Andy. If you've listened to the show before, you know by now that Andy recently quit his job to start freelancing full-time, and this show is a weekly check-in with Andy to see what really happens when you decide to be your own boss. In today's episode, Andy is going to walk us through his behind-the-scenes process on Upwork. He's now getting enough requests on Upwork to keep him busily employed full-time, and I'm looking forward to learning as much as I can about this platform, which, to be truthful, has been a bit controversial for me in the past. Show notes for this episode are found at freelancelifepodcast.com slash three, that's just the number three, and this episode of My Freelance Life is brought to you by our friends at FreshBooks, the number one invoicing software for freelancers. See, here at Milo, we work with thousands of freelancers every day. And the number one invoicing app that a huge majority of our audience is always talking about is FreshBooks. And it's not hard to see why. FreshBooks has been serving freelancers for years. Their founder, Mike, was a freelancer long before he started the company, so they know exactly what freelancers need in their day-to-day work life. With FreshBooks, you can send invoices in less than 30 seconds. Plus, here's one of my personal favorite features, you can send automatic reminder emails for those clients who just can't seem to pay their invoices on time. You can try the all-new FreshBooks completely free for 30 days by visiting freshbooks.com Andy. And when you get to the how did you hear about us section, just type Andy. Thanks to FreshBooks for supporting my freelance life and freelancers everywhere. Okay, now to the good stuff. So, Andy, we we've, we've basically, in, in previous episodes, we've kind of caught up on everything that's happened to you thus far in this freelancing journey, right, Andy? We've, we've talked about, uh, you know, making the, making the decision or sort of what, what got you to the point where you were going to make the decision to leave your job and, and freelance full-time. We talked about, um, you know, discussing it with your boss and how he reacted to that and then how you felt sort of the weeks leading up to your last day, how you felt on your last day, how you felt leaving, what your experience was, like literally driving away from, from a job that you just left to start freelancing full-time. And then we talked about your day-to-day, um, what what freelance life looks like to you right now. And so we've now caught up and we're now to the point, finally, that, uh, that, that we wanted to be at all along, which is now we want to document week to week what happens in the life of a freelancer. You're a, a few months into it now, and we want to talk just every week about what you can expect as a freelancer, or at least what you're going through, Andy, as a freelancer every week and just sort of document your journey. So I want to ask you, I guess, this week, since we talked last, what's been happening? Well, uh, in some ways, it's been the same thing that's been happening every week, the the standard, you know, looking for jobs, looking for new gigs, getting clients, and so on. But there have been some, definitely some new things I've experienced or, or learned this week. 
So so tell me, I, I'm curious, first of all, where you're looking for gigs, because I think that can be uh, a difficult thing for new freelancers uh, is sort of like, you know, do I sit around and I, I know a lot of people sort of, I happen to know from from polls we've done with the Milo audience that one of the biggest sources of new clients is word of mouth, but word of mouth is is so unpredictable and and hard to sort of uh, to to fuel. You know, it's just sort of like you, you wait for something to come around and hopefully someone says something nice about you to someone who needs something from you and they contact you and hopefully it works out. Like it's all it's all sort of very serendipitous. I'm curious what you do to sort of actively go out and find new clients. Yeah, I've actually had zero clients from word of mouth that I know of at this point because I've worked so far exclusively on Upwork. My clients come through there and and how I get them, um, I started out by aggressively following the lists of new jobs posted that had to do with my skill set and applying to them. But as I started to get busy with the actual jobs I was getting, I spent less and less time out looking for new jobs because for one, I didn't need them. And for two, I didn't have the time to look for them. But I found that as I've increased the, um, uh, let's see, as, I, as I've increased my, the look of my profile, so to speak, it, by the number of jobs I've done and the feedback I've received and so on, I haven't had to go out and look for jobs. I'm getting invited to apply for jobs as much as I can keep up with. I mean, it's not like an insane amount, but given that I have some repeating clients and that I'll still occasionally go out and look for a job, I'm, I've been kept more than busy with that. I rarely go out and peruse the job feed simply because when people post a job, they'll often, you know, search for spreadsheets or whatever and hire the, the top handful of people that they would want to work with. So most of the time, that's how I'm getting my new clients is by being invited to apply for a job. And if I have time at that point, then I'll go in and, and submit a proposal. And that's been, that's been how it's been for the past uh, month or two, probably. Oh, that's really great. So I'm curious, I think there's maybe this stigma for some freelancers around Upwork um, or similar sites where, you know, it's all sort of low ball clients, low quality clients, people who nickel and dime you or who treat you poorly or whatever is that that clearly hasn't been your experience or, or has it i mean tell me a little bit about the kinds of clients that you're getting through up sure well that's an interesting thing you brought up i hadn't i hadn't known that before because i'm new to the freelance world and um this is the majority of my experience it's the it's all of my experience lately has been through upwork like i mentioned but i i can see where people would get that that feeling because you can definitely find people on there that'll post an extensive job and say the budget is $20 or whatever. And, (laughs) and you have to learn to just pass over those. And if they invite you, then you decline it. Or sometimes I'll, I'll apply for those just because it actually looks fun. And I know I could do it really quickly, but I've also been learning better how to um, predict the time that I'll spend. Because even if a job, I could hop on there, fix some little, you know, thing in the, in a script or a spreadsheet formula or whatever. And I could do it in 20 minutes. I know that there's always the setup time and the time afterwards to discuss it and some follow up and, and all those things definitely add up. But anyway, so you get, you get clients like that who either are going on there with low budgets looking to get work done. Um, or you have some clients who are very, 
particular about what they need and they'll have lots of follow up and, and sometimes can be difficult to work with in those ways. But I don't think that they're necessarily, that's necessarily exclusive to Upwork. I think you can find clients that are easy to work with and those that are hard to work with, regardless of where you go. This is me just guessing again, because I've only been working on Upwork, but, um, I have found that there have been several um, really good, high-quality clients that they come in. They know that what they're asking is is something that requires a skilled person to to complete, and they're willing to pay for it. And there are times that I'll be on calls, like initial calls with clients, and they never bring up the budget. They're just happy to pay what I've already said, and they're not um, overly worried about. Now make sure you only work five hours on this or tell me once you've <laughs> yeah. hit the 10 hour mark or whatever. And they never mention that once. And you can tell that what they want done now is important enough to them. that They're willing to pay someone who can do it right and do it clean and, hmm. and nice. So I've actually found several clients like that and it's been great to work with them like that. And, and often they're ongoing clients and new projects come out of the first one. And yeah, so that's on. what I was going to ask is of the clients that you find on Upwork, you know, what what percentage would you guess end up giving you repeat work or is it is it mostly one-off jobs and then you have to find an, a new client or, or are you doing mostly repeat work or is it somewhere in the middle? Definitely somewhere in the middle. Uh, there have been plenty of one-off jobs and then I've held on to maybe slightly less than half of the clients have been repeat or ongoing work. But that's just adding up all the contracts I've done. Half of them or less than half of them have been repeat. But of all the work I've done, more than half of the work I've done has been from uh, a repeating client, if that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. And and over time, as you do, I mean, you know, if you if you work with a, a new client every week, over time, you know, 40 or 50% of those or whatever that number is. If, if they keep bringing repeat work, eventually you don't even need Upwork, right? You just have like this pool of clients and you only go back to Upwork when one of those clients leaves or you're ready to scale a little bit more or whatever. Well, um, yeah, that's cool. uh, That only will work after a certain amount of time because of Upwork's terms and conditions. You, If you make a connection on Upwork, you're obligated to stay working with an ah, Upwork because of course they provided the the connection they in the first place and they and they get a cut. And so I think if you've worked with someone for 2 years, you're you're uh, allowed to break out of Upwork. Oh, interesting. But other than that, if if they were to find someone doing that, either, then you could have, you know, whatever the consequences are, um at the very least being kicked off of Upwork and if they decided to pursue further action that they can they can I was reading this the other day actually because a scenario like this came up and um, they can take a significant amount of what you've made from them and what you would have made and, and so on. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure they can find you. They can probably, I mean, if they really wanted to, they could sue you depending on the amount, yeah. if it's worth it to them and all that sort of thing. Yeah. That's, that's good warning. That's a good, yeah. good piece of advice. Cause I think it can be a natural tendency to, to, you know, use Upwork to bring clients into your normal workflow mm-hmm. If you've, you know, if you've, you know, in your case, you, you've only done Upwork thus far, but but some people who might be listening maybe have found clients other ways, and they might want to add Upwork to sort of their repertoire of, of of places to find new clients, and and you can't just find them there and then bring them into your normal workflow. You sort of have to use the Upwork yeah. platform and uh, 
and communicate with them that way? And deli- I'm, do you have to deliver? I mean, do all your deliverables go through Upwork and everything as well? No. I've not used Upwork, so I'm, I'm curious. No, they, they definitely don't have to. And I think there are there are probably safeguards in place that if you do all your communication through Upwork messaging and you deliver all your files through there, then it's a way to... Um, to document the process with what would be a mediator if you were to have a disagreement with the client. Upwork would Uh, be able to look at your message thread. But if you're talking with them in Skype or Gmail or Slack or wherever, then those uh, messages aren't recorded or maybe aren't um, uh, like admissible as evidence or whatever the case may be in an Upwork mediation. And so I often end up talking with clients through other uh, channels, whatever is easier for them if needs be, but I do like to keep it in Upwork where possible. But usually the deliverables, I, I don't send through Upwork. But um, okay. I wanted to say something I thought of when when you're talking about Upwork and bringing clients in, because sometimes you'll have clients pop up and they've never done a job on Upwork before. So they go and find you and say you have like an initial like consultation type call with them to go over the project. And then they'll, they'll ask you, I think mostly just from not knowing what's going on, they'll say, now, now, how do I pay you? Do I do this or whatever? And so there have been times when people have said like, do you want to, uh, I could just pay you through PayPal or whatever. And I don't know if they're trying to get around Upwork like explicitly or if they just don't know what's going on. But that's when that came up recently, I I thought I better go check what the terms and conditions are because I want to make sure that I don't get, you know, dinged for this in the future. Ding is a, probably a light way of putting it, but (laughs) yeah. There, yeah, interesting. I think that it's not that, like, it, it sounds negative, you know, you got to stay with Upwork or whatever, but there's a lot of benefits that come from it. Obviously, like the pool of clients that's already available for you and the infrastructure that's there. And of course, there are some things that don't work as smoothly as you'd like, but um, it's not that bad. The The fee they take up front is unfortunate, but it's, you know, what you pay for the service. And um, an interesting thing to note, since we were also talking about repeat clients is after you've worked a certain amount of, um, or once you've built a certain amount to a client, they'll actually Upwork will cut the fee in half. Oh, wow. So as it is now, and, um, I, I don't know if this is variable or if this is the same fee for everybody, but I get Upwork takes 20% of what I bill to a client. But after I believe it's, I've, build $500 to a single client. And this could be across multiple projects with the same client. They'll cut it down to 10%. Cool. And once you reach like 10,000 or something, then they'll cut it again to five. And so that can make oh, a wow, big difference. Yeah. So, so you're actually motivated to stay with, with the same clients on uh-huh. Upwork for as long as you can, because you, you get benefits as you, as you stick with them longer and stay on yeah. the platform longer. And they like to foster those long relationships and it helps, you know, build it up for them that they can, they yeah. can show that it's a good place for longevity. I love that. I, we've, you know, we've had a couple people write on the blog, um, at Milo.co about, uh, Upwork and it's been, it's been controversial. You know, there are some people who feel very passionately against, uh, Upwork and against sites like Upwork and, they um they claim that you know it's sort of commoditizing the freelance industry and and making everyone have lower rates and et cetera et cetera and there are some people who you know some people who have primarily the people who have written the articles are, you know they're making six figures healthy six figures on upwork every year and um and so i know i know it can go both ways it, it's it's interesting to hear that your or it's good to hear i guess that your your experience thus far has been positive and it sounds like positive enough that you haven't even considered looking elsewhere yet for clients, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, 
it's been positive. It's been positive enough that I haven't had reason to go look elsewhere, and I've had enough work that I haven't needed to go elsewhere. But there are definitely other places yeah. that I would yeah. like to, and I I would like to have a more like independent word of mouth type business. But I've been I've been staying busy enough trying to get enough work and trying to you know replace my current income, like we talked about before that. Um, I've been just sticking there and doing jobs. And if I get to a point where I'm making enough and I have a bit of free time, then I'll probably build up my personal website or, or something where I can attract clients that way. But for now it's, I mean, it's been great for me. I wonder if you say there's, you know, you see disagreement and whatnot when you, when this discussion gets brought up, but I'd be interested to know if that falls along like industry lines, if, if it's harder for graphic designers, but easier for programmers or vice versa mm. or, or whatever the case may be, because it could be that certain industries Upwork doesn't serve as well. I don't yeah, know. that that could be interesting to find out. It'd be interesting to talk to, you know, someone in different disciplines because it's true. You, I mean, you have a skill set that is a little more unique. I feel like um, graphic designers or, or, or designers in general, which the Milo audience, there is, there's definitely a high percentage of us who are designers uh, you know, there, there just tends to be more, at least, I don't, maybe, maybe it's just the bubble I live in, I guess, but it feels like there are a lot more designers out there than like, than like Excel spreadsheet experts, but maybe I could be wrong. I mean, do, do you feel like there's a lot of competition for the, the gigs that you go for on Upwork? There can be. And it's interesting to see as the jobs come up because, uh, some really basic spreadsheet projects that come up you'll see you can see at a job at any given time how many proposals have been sent in essentially how many um, applicants are looking at it and and sometimes you'll see 15 to 20 or i can't remember the the ranges they give but sometimes there can be quite a lot and then other times there are more specific more technical projects that still revolve around spreadsheets but maybe are involved more with um, scripting a macro for it or integrating with other with other services or making API calls or whatever from a spreadsheet, those you'll see, you know, less than five or five to 10 proposals. So there's definitely, there can be a lot of competition because when you have a, like a basic spreadsheet project, not only do you have people like me who are spreadsheet experts who go in to apply for that, but anyone who's mildly comfortable with spreadsheets. So you get the whole probably like the VA crowd that, that is on Upwork, like anyone that has those like office organization skills will also apply for that. So I've, I've seen some jobs where there's plenty of competition and some where there's not, I don't see what their rates are or what their, what their proposed rates are. But, um, I, I can see Upwork does show you something cool, which is uh, a percentage of, of all freelancers. Are you, is your profile viewed like what percentage compared to average are, you know, 70% mm. are you in the 70th percentile of how often it's viewed. And then every time you, you propose, how often are you interviewed? And then from that, like how often are you hired compared to others? And you can see if you're doing better than average or lower than average. Uh, interesting. Those. So I have to ask, you know what the follow-up question is, right? <laughs> Where am I at? <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't looked at it lately, but I was happy to see the first time I came across this, this, uh, like performance metric area that I was being viewed more, being interviewed more and being hired more than, than I, I can't remember if it's others in your same category or freelancers as a whole, but I haven't looked at it in a few weeks, but I was doing, I was doing fine before, which was good. 
that's an interesting uh i guess comparison like i'd really love to know i need to talk to some other people i guess who are doing it and see how they feel as a designer or as an illustrator that kind of thing versus uh, uh sort of a spreadsheet expert excel expert um yeah. i think you you mentioned earlier where you said they're more it seems like there's more graphic designers as freelancers and it could again be because of just you know who you've associated with in the past but i do think that and this is again just me me making assumptions but it does seem that freelance graphic design and uh, is more maybe it's not not so much that it's more conducive to freelancing but maybe freelancing is more conducive to it but as compared to spreadsheet development because a lot of people will do will build their own spreadsheets and so they don't need to go out like it's more you're more likely to find someone who oh, can build their yeah. own spreadsheet than who can design their own logo or the style guide for their new brand or or whatever the case may be and so maybe so you're so actually the gig list or the gig pool might be smaller it for might you, be yeah but but there's also potentially less competition yeah and when people do come to me it's either people who really are not familiar with spreadsheets at all and they need basic help or people who are are well beyond that who are looking for it's they may be fine with spreadsheets but this stuff they're they're trying to do is is more intricate or more involved or whatever so you do still get a pool it's just a different pool and and indeed it might be might be smaller because a lot of the like in between or the basic tasks they can handle themselves or someone in their office can handle okay so i'm so i'm curious then if if it's sort of about uh like let's say i want to start freelancing today and i want to start finding clients on Upwork, would you advise, like, would you advise sort of trying to take any job in my field? Let's say I'm a graphic designer. Do I only take like branding jobs because I'm more of a branding person or do I take like sort of any job to build up my profile? Like, like, you know, do you, do you prefer to only take these more advanced jobs that I assume you enjoy a little bit more? They're a little more challenging or, or do you sort of take any spreadsheet job you can because you're building your profile? What's, what would you advise if I wanted to grow my profile quickly on Upwork? And I don't know why this all of a sudden became the Upwork episode, but I am enjoying it. I think lots of people are interested in it. I've seen when we've published about Upwork, you know, people really do get interested in it and clearly it's working for you. So I guess I digress, but, um, you know, do you take sort of the whole gamut of jobs or are you a little more selective on what kinds of jobs you'll take or, or tell me a little bit more about that? I think early on, I, I would take a lot of things that I either knew for sure I knew how to do, or I knew it was possible. And I just had to look up one or two things so that I myself could do it. But I, I knew that it was, that it was definitely doable. And now I think I'm, I'm more, I'm more to the point now where I'm, I'm getting enough proposals as it is. I don't necessarily look at what the job is. Well, no, I shouldn't say I don't look at it, but I don't, I don't weigh it as heavily as perhaps um, how the job posting is written because sometimes you can tell if the client is going to be easy to work with or not based on if they write like a, a two-line description of their job or what they're looking for and it's, pretty vague and now this isn't this isn't a, a absolute um deal breaker because sometimes i'll just apply for those anyway and then i can flesh this out in the interview stage if they decide to interview me and there's no harm in that and it allows me to learn more about the project and the client but 
then compared to like a job where they write out things very specifically, you could almost start the job right then because all the details are there and you know that there's going to be less time up front trying to figure out what needs to be done and, and they document it really well. Sometimes I'll use things like that, like how well the job post is written to know if I should apply for it or not. And I do, I am somewhat selective, but now that I've, I've been pushing my, my hourly rate closer to where I'd like it to be in, in some senses, if somebody is asking me to interview for a job and they can see what my profile rate is, and I can assume that they're willing to pay that, then I'm happy to do that. In the past, when my hourly rate was much lower as I was building up, maybe I, in some ways I would have been more selective then, but now if it's if it's a simple job and they're willing to pay me what I have posted, then I'm happy to do it. And if it's a more advanced job and they're willing to pay me what I've posted, then I'm willing to do that. Sometimes it's strange though, like a job will come through an invitation to interview and I'll read through it and it just, I'm not excited about it. Like I, I can see how it could be done and and sometimes I don't know what it is. If it's like the mood I'm in, if it just seems especially tedious, then I'll I'll just pass on it and I'll just say, thanks for the invitation. <laughs> I'm not interested at this time or or whatever the case may be. But so I there's a lot of things that go into it. I think I think it is really comforting to know that you've you've been I mean, how long have you been on Upwork? Oh uh, well, technically several years. But uh, but working on of, this it sort was sort of actively. Oh, it's been maybe eight or nine months since I started. That was still when I was working though. Yeah. Full-time. Yeah. Yeah. But you were sort of doing it on the side. I, I just think, I just think it's comforting to know that like if, if, you know, eight months from now you want to be getting invitations uh, for interviews and, and be turning down jobs yeah. that just don't excite you. You're, I mean, you're now in a point where you're starting to do work. I assume that excites you, that gets you up in the morning that, that, that you're happy to do like that. The, the kind of ideal clients and jobs that you would go hunting for if there wasn't an Upwork. And and that's after only, you know, eight or nine months of being on this platform, building up your reputation. And and I assume you've probably been doing that for a few weeks as well. So, you know, six to eight months and you can be doing jobs you're actually excited about. So that's I think that's really inspiring and comforting for people who are considering going freelance. This has been a really great conversation thus far. I am curious. I've seen people, you know, overseas who will do jobs for like a dollar an hour, $2 an hour, $3 an hour. Um, how do you, how do you sort of handle the competition when I assume that's not your rate? I mean, I don't think you could survive on that. Um, and, and truth be told, some people can like it. They're not, they're not lowballing to get clients. Like they, they're fine because, you know, three American dollars, wherever they live is, uh, is, is a significant mm-hmm. amount of money per hour. So how do you, how do you sort of balance that, uh, your need to charge uh, a living wage, I guess, where you live versus people who live in places that don't have as, as high of a living wage. Yeah. Um, that's something I, I definitely wondered about early on. And my especially scientific way of doing that is I apply and, uh, hope I get picked. (laughs) I, I, I knew that they, that people are out there because I've searched Upwork myself looking to hire freelancers in the past. And I have hired freelancers before and, you know, at those lower rates with, um, general organizational tasks and, and other things like that. But, and I knew, I guess I knew that going into it, that there would be that competition, especially because the skills I have, anyone can learn. I mean, the, the knowledge, I guess this is probably true for everything, but the, the knowledge is out there, the, the learning 
opportunities and uh, resources are out there for anyone to learn this. So you don't have to, you know, have gone to university to learn it or whatever the case may be. So how am I competing with people offering lower rates? I don't, I don't know, but people are hiring me, you know, enough for me to to stay happy. But there is something, I guess, because I've been aware of this, I have tried to make a point of it. I did earlier on, um, like explicitly in my proposals and I have it somewhat in my Upwork profile, but I have been, um, I've tried to remain aware of what sets me apart from somebody, um, offering a lower rate that's from overseas or whatever, um, because there are some things that I think are more valuable. If you're, if you're a client in the U S it's really easy to hop on a call with me and we can just chat, we can brainstorm, Mm. we can bounce ideas off each other. They can say, so really what I'm trying to do is I have, and they don't have to like describe it really explicitly, really laid out point by point, well-defined. So if they come and they have a kind of a fuzzy idea, like I want to better track my employees' performance. Then I can say, oh, okay, here's some ideas. We could do this. We could do this. We could track it this way, display it, you know? Ah, And that sort of thing is remarkably easier with someone who speaks your language natively and also your your locality of, of your language. So even though you might find someone in that speaks English really well. There's something about being able to talk to someone like they're your neighbor and be able to brainstorm together. Mm, and especially I, when it's highly technical, I, I would yeah, presume. And because if you don't know what you're looking for, it's hard to tell somebody what you want them to do. If you have to. Yeah. And then if there's a language barrier in between, that's, that's even more difficult. Yeah. I, I think, I think you bring up a good point. You know, I, I've, I've also looked on Upwork. Uh, I've hired a couple people on Upwork and, um, you know, for, for full-time jobs uh, years ago, but, but, um, meaning I was working full-time and I had to hire some freelancers to help us get some work done. And, and I tended to go for sort of the middle ground people, right? Like I didn't need the super advanced experts, but I also, yeah, I was like hesitant sort of to, because I, I needed someone, like you said, who I could, who I could hop on a call with if I needed to, or, or just someone who's like working the same hours as me, which isn't always important. Sometimes it's nice to like go to bed and wake up and the job is done or, or the job has had progress while you've been sleeping. But, but sometimes you want to like be able to collaborate during the day and not worry about, you know, extreme differences in time zones and that kind of thing. So I think, I think the biggest takeaway from what you've said here though, is, is not necessarily like that it's an advantage to natively speak English or that it's an advantage to live in a certain part of the world, but regardless of where you live and where you are and what language you speak, uh, the, the key here is to identify what sets you apart from other freelancers. If you want to compete on price, that's an easy way to set yourself apart. Just, just lowball everything. Right. But if you want to compete on, if you don't want to compete on price, um, which we would, at least I would, I assume Andy, you would too advise not only competing on price. You have to figure out what else you're competing on. Are you competing on skill level? Are you competing on, um, your speed and and your ability to get the job done quickly? Are you competing on your ability to um, communicate with the client or your time zone or your language or whatever? Like, how are you setting yourself apart from anyone else, high ball or low ball, anyone else in the Upwork community? Yeah, that's a great point. I think that's, that is what it, what it comes down to is find what, what sets you apart. Because for me, it's, it's partially the communication, but I also really, I really enjoy doing this and I really try hard to give people very 
user-friendly, very aesthetic products in the end. So yeah, I'm only working with spreadsheets. Not many people think of spreadsheets as sexy. And so you might often ask for a certain product to be delivered and it comes back and it looks like a spreadsheet. But I I really like to, <laughs> you know, make it like the make it more of like a user interface, like almost like it's an app, or make it very user friendly where it's just one click and things are done, or it's very easy to understand. And and I think that shows through in the feedback I get from clients. And so then other clients see that. And no, oh, I'm going to get like a solid product at the end of this. I'm willing to to pay this guy instead of someone who's charging much lower. I love that. I think that's solid, solid advice. I, b- before I forget, why don't you tell us where people can find you on Upwork in case anyone out there listening needs some nice spreadsheet oh, work done? Well, um, on Upwork, I believe right now my profile is only set to be viewable by those logged into Upwork. So first log in. And then if you go to freelancers and search Andrew Conlin, that's C-O-N-L-I-N. Uh, you should find me. Also, you can search spreadsheets, and sometimes I'm one of the first ones to pop up, or or cool. Google App Script. So, but Andrew Conlin is definitely the safest bet. I don't know what my actual URL is off the cool. top of my head. No, that's great. Spot on. Well, I think this has been a great conversation. What have we left out? What did you still want to chat oh, about? I just had a an. A, a, a funny story, a short funny story. <laughs> yeah, let's end with a short funny story. I well, love that. Let's do uh, it. I, I had a call one morning and they decided to spring the old video call on me with no notice. So most of the time I just talk over the phone <laughs> or... So you're like in your pajamas exactly. and they want to yeah, do a video call. <laughs> I'm already on the... So here's what happened. I wake up and and admittedly I woke up like minutes before this call was supposed to happen, which was fine because I could just hop on the call. And... So uh, I, I looked rather disheveled and uh, I get on the call and I kind of like there the minutes before I, I like had a feeling something was going to happen. And so I was like kind of preparing myself, but I sat down in my, in my, at my desk and um, I, I did the Skype call and because it was with more than one person. So that, I think maybe that's what was kind of like making me think maybe they wanted to do a video chat. But anyway, I turn on Skype um, answer the call. And like one of the first things I hear is, oh, uh, we can't see you. Can you see us? All right. And I was like, oh, shoot. And so I just, I reluctantly <laughs> reached forward and hit the video button and I'm just sitting there. I probably didn't look that bad, but to me, like I, I was, I was a bit embarrassed for a moment, but then later on in the conversation, cause this is the first time I was talking with these clients. Um, the guy mentioned something like, so you just like, work from home in your office or whatever. And I was like, is it that obvious? <laughs> but I, mean, I don't, I don't think he was making a jab, but maybe he was aware of what was going on. It was kind of funny. And at least he didn't say like, Oh, so you just work from home uh, in your pajamas. Yeah. Luckily he left that part out. But... <laughs> He's like, so you don't comb your hair. Is that yeah. <laughs> normal? Is that what you normally do? <laughs> That's probably what it, <laughs> That's really interesting. Well, you're a much better person than me. I would have just lied and said there was some sort of technical difficulty (laughs) with my camera. So you are definitely, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I've known this for a long time. You're a much better person than I am. I I don't know. Maybe that would have been the better route, actually. The the kinder route is to... To, climb a, a <laughs> to spare spare everyone. <laughs> yeah. So what? I mean, did you land the client? Was this, or, or were they already they already had sort of signed on, and this was like a, a your first call with them, or, was, or what's what's happened with the client since? That's then? a great a great follow up question. Um, they, I think we had kind of decided to to go together. This was to make sure. I think that the, what it was was the person who who had contacted me in Upwork wanted me to meet with their boss. So, oh yeah, that's another thing is now I'm not only talking to 
to the to the person that hired me or connected with me, but now I'm talking to their boss at presumably like a, a, a decent sized company from all I can tell. Yeah. And uh, they're sitting there in their conference room, the two of them, and I'm sitting there in my pajamas and my ratty hair. And But anyway, we, we do have a, another call scheduled um, later That's this good. week. We haven't started on the project yet. They're doing some preparation on their side, but I don't think it, it turned them away. So far as I well, can that's tell. good, and I'm I'm assuming for the second call you'll at least get dressed and comb your hair. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll see. It's it's sort of your persona yeah. now, right? You gotta yeah, you gotta hold on to that. Well, you heard it here first, <laughs> folks. You don't have to get dressed or comb your hair to to land a second call with a potential client. <laughs> awesome, excellent. Well, <laughs> I think it's been a great conversation today, Andy. Thanks so much. Anything else you want to add before we close out? No, that that's it. It's been a great a great chat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, perfect. Well, as a reminder, show notes for this episode are found at FreelanceLifePodcast.com slash three. That's just the number three. And one more time, I'd like to thank FreshBooks for sponsoring this episode. If you're ready to finally take hold of your freelance business, you should really give FreshBooks a try. They've got simple tools to help you send invoices and proposals, communicate with your clients, get paid, manage projects, and so much more. To try FreshBooks free for 30 days, visit freshbooks.com slash Andy and enter Andy in the How Did You Hear About Us section. My Freelance Life is a production of Milo.co. You can learn more about us at M-I-L-L-O.co. The theme music for this show is a song by Joaquim Carud called Road Trip. And we will talk to you next time on episode four of My Freelance Life. See ya.